somehow. It's like the fourth time since I've started preaching to you, my mic is not working, and it's always my fault, never the sound guy. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2. We began the service singing about Jesus, only Jesus. And then my wife just sang, all I ever need is Jesus. And we're continuing our series this morning called This is Jesus. And we're here in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to put an emphasis on him, his life. Uh, Lord, over the, uh, over the next uh, 90 uh, Sunday mornings or so, we'll be interrupted occasionally by big days or when the Lord lays something else on my heart. But I have absolute confidence that this is what the Lord has for us. Uh, we're continuing on the series of Luke. Thankful to uh, Brother David, Brother Terry, as they've, they've carried on this uh, book here until we get to this portion today. But we're in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. It says, and the child grew and was waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, when a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, and when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is just to be here together today. And God, I pray that you would, God, help us, Lord, to Lord, just be here ready to receive the message you have for us this morning. Lord, I know without a shadow of a doubt this is what you have for us, Lord, on January 8th, a.m. service. And God, I pray that you would be with me as I preach. Help me to preach your words. I pray to be with those in attendance that we would hear and make application where necessary. Lord, bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's the second Sunday of the year. The holiday season is over. Two weeks ago was Christmas. It's hard to believe that already. One week ago was New Year's Day. And many traditions, as we look at the last couple months, have happened. You may have taken trips to see certain family members, or you may have gone to special programs. You may have done some family traditions that you've done for, for many years. And we look here in Luke chapter 2 and we find Mary and Joseph carrying on one of those traditions that they had in their annual feast to Jerusalem for the Passover. And as we look at all that was going on in their lives, we look at where they were coming from and where they were going. And uh, historians say, and as we look at the maps, it was probably about 90 mile journey for them to travel from where they were to Jerusalem in the caravan of their family. And as we look at their tradition... If you look at their busyness of that week that they spent there, and as we look at our lives and we think of uh, our year, or we think about our last couple months with Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's, all those things going on, as we look and analyze our lives, 
the busyness of our schedules, often priorities are revealed in our individual lives. As we look at this family, Mary and Joseph, we see they had priorities. And we see a priority that they had was family worship. We look there in verse 41 and we see they prioritize the things of God. And if we were to look back in Exodus chapter 23, we could find the instructions given to the Israelites and the instructions given to all Jewish males. And they were to attend three different feasts every year. They were to attend the Passover, the Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. That was instructed to, the, to all males of age to go and to do these things. But the women in these times were not required to do these things. But we look at this passage and we find Mary and most likely other women in the family going along in this journey. And by being part of this trip, no doubt, we see Mary's dedication to her God by taking this trip with Jesus and Joseph and the rest of the family. I think it's easy for us to say this morning by looking at this that Mary and Joseph made it a priority to train their children to obey the commandments of God. And every parent has that responsibility. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. I think everything was covered there, don't you? That's Old Testament. We look in the Word of God and we look throughout the New Testament and we find examples and we find instructions on what we are to do as Christians pertaining to other individuals and we can also apply those to our family. And we look in Ephesians chapter 6 and Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus and we find verse 1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And we look in verse 4 and it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, the application there is for mothers and fathers to not provoke their children, not to um, bring them to a point of sin or to hurt them in any way or their, their mindset or the way they look at God, but they are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What better way to do that than to make the Lord a priority? How can we do that? What can we do as, as husband and wife? What can you do as, as fathers and mothers? What can you do as grandma, grandma and grandpa? How can we do those things? First of all, church attendance. I want to encourage you, second Sunday of the year, it's a, it's a good start for you. But don't stop. You know, there's probably people in here this morning that could testify of the uh, profit that you've gotten from church attendance of the help that you've gotten from faithful church attendance in your life. And there's probably some people in here this morning that could testify of the negative aspects that have come from a lack of church attendance. There may be someone here that have had a season of life where you miss church for a certain amount of time, and we, I'm thankful for media and for live stream, all that we've had, where we could go back not too many years ago to the beginning of the coronavirus. And how for a certain amount of time, many churches, good churches all over America, were not meeting together. And we look at the negative aspects that, that came from that in many people's spiritual life. Family devotions. I think it's a good thing for families to read the Bible together. For families to look to God together. For a husband and wife to pray together. For mom and dad to sit down with their children and to read the word of God and, and to pray together. Another thing we can do is just pray for each other. Are we praying for our family? 
Are we praying for our sons, our daughters? Are we praying for our grandchildren? Are we praying for God to put a hedge of protection around them and to protect them from the temptations of the world? Are we praying that God would speak to them and use them? Are we praying for God to enable them in all the things that they may face in this world? Are we doing that? Is that a priority? What about keeping them and protecting them from the wickedness of our world? I think that if I asked for a raise of hands this morning, that everyone in here would agree with me that we are to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I think we see that as a, as a priority that is needed and one that we strive to have. And if that is one that we truly agree with, why so often do Christian families allow the devil into the home through different avenues? The technology that we have the lack of restrictions or protections we may have on devices and on the television, on the phones, all of those things. If our priority is to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then we should have a desire to protect them from the temptations of the world and from the wickedness of the world. And I'm not saying to live in a commune and to shut all things off. There's a balance to this. But it should be a priority to protect our children, our young people, from the wickedness of our society. Is God a priority? We need the families of our church to be determined this morning, just as Joshua in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, as he was speaking to the Israelites, said, and, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. He said you can serve the God of your fathers that were on the other side of the flood, or you can serve the God of the Amorites. There's all these different opportunities, all these different choices, all these different things pulling you in certain directions. And then he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we need families this morning determined that no matter what temptations are there, no matter what the world may be offering, no matter what the world may be trying to do in, in terms of, of, of trying to affect our children or the mindsets of our society, that we must stand upon the Word of God and no matter what people say is okay or no matter what they encourage us to tolerate, we must stand on the Word of God and what it says. Make Him a priority. Not just living for Him, not just looking to Him, but prioritize his worship. We looked there in verse 42. It says that when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. I've already mentioned this is a week-long process. As they get to the Passover day, at the middle of the day, the work stopped and in preparation for the sacrifice to begin. And around 3 in the afternoon, the ram's horn would sound there in the area, and after hearing this, the Worshippers would gather there in the court of the temple, and as the families would assemble together for this, for this ceremony, one person of each family would be chosen to offer the sacrifice. They would slaughter the lamb, and as they would slaughter the lamb, each family individually doing that together, a priest would come by with a basin and, and would catch the blood from the sacrifice. And as they would go around collecting the blood, they would take it to the altar, and they would pour that on the altar, and after the sacrifice was completed, the families would take the lamb home and they would roast it. They would have a feast and they would celebrate and after they would eat, they would sit around and talk of the story of the Passover in Egypt and all that God did for their people. Can I remind you today that we have the completed story? These people here were celebrating something that God did for them and, and, and releasing them from Egyptian bondage. 
It was symbolic of what the Messiah would one day do for them. And no doubt as these people were celebrating the Passover, they were, Passover, they were looking forward to one day the Messiah being there. And, and they would sit around and they would talk of who their God was and what he did for the people, what one day he was going to do. And we can think about this family, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and all involved. And as they're thinking and, and, and praising God for the Passover lamb, they are looking at the perfect lamb of God, the Messiah. Thinking of one day what was going to happen, what was going to take place through Jesus. But as we understand the rest of the story, we look at these people, they didn't, they, the Israelites didn't deserve the redemption. As we look at what Jesus did for us, we believe this morning and we are in agreement of the fact that we did not deserve the redemption. But as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. And understanding that today, if we are truly aware and conscious of the fact that the sacrifice that was made for us, he deserves to be priority in worship. He's worthy of it. And it should be a priority in each of our homes to worship and praise God together. And the psalmist wrote in the 71st Psalm, let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. David wrote in Psalm in 2 Samuel chapter 7, excuse me, he said, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God, any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Has your family heard you speak of the goodness of God? Husband, has your wife heard you praise God? Wife, has your husband heard you praise God? Young person, has your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister heard you give God any praise? Has your friend, friend or family members heard you give God any kind of praise? What kind of priorities are set in the home? What kind of priorities have been set in your personal life? When it comes to worship, Hopefully very soon I'm going to preach about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And as, as we look at our personal worship and we are told that we are to be a true worshiper, worshiping in spirit and in truth, how is your personal worship? How is your corporate worship? You know, we had a time together this morning singing the hymns that we have in the hymn book and going to God in prayer. It's something that we gathered here together today to do. But it's very easy in modern Christianity to be comfortable with the habits that we have in church. I tell you this morning, we didn't sing congregational songs to just fill time. We didn't sing congregational songs just to make sure we hit our quota for the week. We have these things scheduled and organized and we present these things to us to participate in together for a purpose to actually praise and worship our God. And as you participated with us this morning, was that something that truly was coming from your heart? As you, as you were reading those words, were you recalling the truths in them? Was there genuine praise coming from your heart, from your spirit to, to God's spirit in this worship? You know, if we want our church to be what God intends it to be, we need our people, our families to prioritize God. Now, Mary and Joseph made a decision to journey 90 miles as a family to Jerusalem for a week of worship. 
And we see this priority in their life. But when the week ended, there's a little bit of a turn in the story. Jesus is missing. Joseph and Mary began their journey, home, their journey home unaware that he was left in Jerusalem. Look there at verse 43. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind them in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. They began their journey not realizing they left Jesus behind. Before you judge too harshly, as they made these types of journeys, the men and the women often traveled separately. And it's pretty possible that Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary and Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph. I think I could possibly ask for volunteers to raise their hands this morning of anyone that's ever left a child somewhere before. I have five kids, as high chances are I've done it, and we have. <laughs> I think a couple years ago, we, uh, those of you that know much about where we've come from there in Indiana, our, all of my wife's family is there, both sets of grandparents and, and her, her parents, her brothers and sisters, and every Sunday afternoon after church, we would go together to uh, El Puerto and have lunch together. For uh, many years we've gone there. Our waiter's name is Ozzy. We just had to say goodbye to him. We didn't even have to order. We would go in and he would know what we wanted and, and, and just turn the order in. It was amazing. But as we would go to that restaurant every Sunday, the kids liked to ride with anybody but mom and dad. So as we look around, we kind of check on who we have. One goes with one grandparent, one goes with this aunt or this uncle. And we were about five minutes toward the restaurant one day where we received a call from the church and someone said that Charlotte was there and wanted to know if we were still around. We quickly turned around, and I remember driving into the church parking lot and driving there to the entry door, and she's just standing there looking at us like this as we drive up. It happens. We look here in verse 44. They didn't go five minutes. It says they went a whole day's journey before they realized he was missing. Then we're just thinking of the, what's going on there one day away. That means one day back. Another amount of time looking for him, the Bible says that for three days that we know of, Jesus was missing. And as we continue on in the story, we, we see they found him in the temple. And it says that when she found him, Mary was, was worried, as any mother would be. And, and she talked to him and, and with a little bit of fear in her heart. You know, Mary and Joseph didn't know where Jesus was, but Jesus was never lost. I'm sitting in the middle of all these highly educated religious men, very aware of his identity. And we look at Jesus, we understand he was 12 years old at the time. In Jewish customs, he was now what they called a son of the law, and he was responsible for his own spiritual actions. And I'm not going to get off topic here this morning or go on a tangent. We have other things to cover, but we need to make sure we encourage our children, our young people, our grandchildren, children, other, other, other children that we, that we have influence over to be spiritually responsible. We need to keep them accountable when it comes to the things of God. Encourage them to have a devotional life. Talk to them about, talk to them about spiritual things. You know, Jesus was here for three days talking with the doctors of the law. And we, the Bible tells us everyone was astonished at the answers he was giving. <coughs> Let me look there in verse 49. It says, and he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? 
the first recorded words we have of Jesus. And he calls God his father. As a 12-year-old young man, his purpose was to do his father's will. 12 years old and asserting his deity. This is the first of many times we'll find him doing this in the word of God. John chapter 10 verse 30 says, he said, I and my father are one. Jesus was not only the son of God, but Jesus was God. And he was declaring himself at this moment to be the son of God. In understanding this, his parents did not need to worry about where he was or what he was doing because he was going to fulfill the purpose given to him by his father. You know, Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. And as we look in scripture, there are five, five times where he says these words. If we were to look a couple chapters later, we'll be there in a couple months. He said, I must preach. If we look in Luke chapter 9, he says, the son of man must suffer. In John chapter 3, as he was speaking to Nicodemus, he says, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And we look in John chapter 9, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me. And here in Luke chapter 2, he says, I must be about my father's business. His entire life's purpose was to do the will of his father. In your life, just like we find Jesus saying here, you should be about your father's business. Are you? My life verse, I've already shared it with you before, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Our life is not about us. And as we think about what's been done for us, and as we think about the purpose that we were created to do, and as we think about the sacrifice, the, the, the work that was done on the cross, all that was done, he died for us, so our life is not about us, but about the one who died for us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And, 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 and it says it's not something, the Christian life as we live it, as we try to be separated in this world, as we try to live as God has de declared us and, and commanded us to live, it's not something that as we obey it, we should be patting ourselves on the back for thinking we have done a great job. It's not something we think we have, uh, we have achieved this certain status or that we are better than other people. What does it say? It's reasonable. There's, there, there's nothing special about the Christian that is doing what God's instructed them to do. We should all be striving to do that. It is reasonable. Why? Because of what we've been rescued from. It's not an extracurricular thing. It's what's expected. It's what's reasonable. Are you about your father's business? As we close out this chapter, we see Jesus still recognizing as he was the son of God, recognizing his also God-given authority in his life, and he went with his parents. And then we see perfect development in Jesus. He grew in wisdom, the knowledge of God. He grew in stature physically. He grew in favor with God. His relationship with his heavenly father grew, and favor with man. He grew socially. Perfect development. Jesus was about his father's business. That's the introduction for today. And here's the message I want to preach. 
You know, we look at Mary and Joseph. We look at the priority that they had. And then we look at what happened past that, and there was an incorrect assumption made. Look at verse 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. As I already mentioned, the family most likely traveled in a large caravan of people from Nazareth. Mary and Joseph just assumed that Jesus was somewhere with the group. But as we apply that to our life, our Christian life is not to be lived based on assumptions, but on convictions. We live for the Lord and we walk with him based upon what we know to be true, not what we assume. There may be someone in here today that assumes, or as we find this word, supposes, that because we attend church regularly, that we are walking with God. There may be people here today that would assume because our, their level of morality is above your neighbors or the person in the pew beside you, in front of you, behind you, that that's somehow evidence of a right relationship with God. We could go all throughout America today and we're going to find many different churches that are meeting with a Christian name in the title, maybe singing some songs. But they may assume because they gather on the Lord's Day that Jesus is with them. We have evidence in the Word of God in the book of Revelation that many of those churches, Jesus is standing on the outside knocking. We look at Mary and Joseph spending this week together, seven days, thinking about the Lamb, talking about what was done on that Passover night and what the Messiah would one day do, no doubt. And when it was all over, they left without him. They took his presence for granted at this moment. For one whole day, they didn't speak to him. They didn't check on him. It was a day without communication. And the question arises, how often do we assume that Jesus is with us, never realizing that we have left him out of our life? They made a wrong assumption. And as we, as we look at that, what happened, that assumption brought separation. Because Mary and Joseph did not make sure Jesus was with them. They traveled an entire day's journey and separated themselves from the presence of Jesus. And what we have here is a picture of a difference between a relationship and fellowship. Who was Mary? Mary was the mother of Jesus. We understand Mary was Jesus' mother. Jesus was Mary's son. And even though they were separated by a distance, that relationship was still intact. No matter what happened, Jesus was the, was the son of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, but she couldn't speak to him. She couldn't hear his voice. She couldn't reach out and touch him. Was there a relationship? Yeah. Was there fellowship? No. And you may be here this morning living the, what, what you know is the 
Christian life. You're an adopted son or a daughter of God. You've been saved. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you came to church this morning just like you have many other times in your life. And you may have been part of a Sunday school class. You may have been standing on the outside handing, handing things out. You may have taken up the offering. You may have shook hands with other Christians this morning. And you may be serving God in whatever way that you serve him. Assuming that Jesus is with you only to find that somewhere along the line you left without him. He's still your savior. You're still his child. The relationship has not changed, but the fellowship is not what it once was. And because of that, we don't hear his voice. We don't sense his presence like you may have and when you were close to him at another point. Is anyone there today? Can you think of a time where you walked with him every day? Where you read his word, you heard from him, you, you prayed and you spoke to him. And maybe now it's been days, weeks, months, years since you've truly had a right fellowship with him. You may have a relationship with Jesus, but might, maybe the fellowship is lacking. I have absolute confidence this morning that Mary and Joseph never had any intention to travel without Jesus. But they were separated. You know, it's possible this morning to be a good church member and not be walking with Jesus. It's possible to have perfect church attendance and not be walking with Jesus. It's possible to, to, to participate in the ministries of this church. It's possible to even hand out tracts and to talk to people about what God has done for you without walking with Jesus. I'm not asking this morning if you have fulfilled your duties as a member of Southwest Baptist. I'm asking, is being with Jesus important to you? If we've been separated, what do we do? What do we do? What did Mary and Joseph do? Look for him and don't stop till you find him. They're reminded of David in Psalm 63. He says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Do you think it was important to David to find God? You can imagine Mary and Joseph as they started looking for Jesus. There was no doubt obstacles in the way of finding him. Think of that whole day's journey. Once they found out he was missing, that whole day back to Jerusalem, thinking of where he possibly could be or what could have happened to him or where they could maybe look for him first. And the Bible says they went place to place. And I told you this morning, I admitted to you, we, we lost a child for five minutes. I've never, I've never lost a child for an extended period of time. I couldn't imagine the pain they were feeling. The worry in Mary's heart and the, the frantic searching that was going on. Three days of searching, three days of mourning, three days of searching everywhere possible until they were finally reunited. The pursuit of Jesus must be done by yourself. As your new pastor, if I could do it for you, I would. If your brother or sister, your mom or dad could do it for you, they would. You may have a friend, no doubt, that if they could do it for you, they would. 
but it's something that you have to do for yourself. James wrote in chapter 4, draw nigh to God, and then what happens? And he will draw nigh to you. Jesus himself in John 15 says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. And I'm with you this morning, and I believe we all have a desire to see God work in our life and to see God meet with us here at this church and for God to do things in this community for, the, for, for his purpose and for his glory. But I can tell you today, it will not happen if we don't have people that are abiding in him, if we don't have people that are walking with God, if we don't have people that, that, that love God and that desire not just a relationship but a true fellowship daily with him. We must seek him for ourselves. you've been walking with Jesus, don't go another step without his presence in your life. Mom and dad, your children need parents that are walking with Jesus. Teenagers, kids in here today, it's a wicked world out there. Don't do it without Jesus. Servant in the church, Spend time with God. You can participate in all the ministries you want to, but if you're not walking with Jesus, you're missing out. Regular attending, soul winning, don't walk without Jesus. Is it possible in here today that some have been so busy, just like Mary and Joseph, that we make an incorrect assumption? that cause us to be separated from him for a time. I shared my testimony it was within the last couple months with you. I just was talking to our church back in Indiana before we left, how thankful I was for how God used it in my life. And I can think back 13 years ago, almost to the day, just a couple weeks back. As a young man, I was bitter, a lot of things going on in my life, and my wife and I were visiting family. I had a relationship with Jesus, but there's no fellowship. And I can think of that moment in my life where I realized my need for him and that void that was there and how the fellowship was lacking, and I made a commitment that day to start seeking him. Now I'm here today as your pastor. You know, just this last week as we were getting ready for the move, a lot of things going on. Those of you that have moved before, you know all the different things you have to get in order. And you start finding things you never wanted to find in the house that you have to pack up. And all the stresses, all the stuff that comes along with that. And occasionally, those things may cause you to be a little grouchy. And I remember a couple, this last couple of weeks, a couple different times where the devil's really starting to attack my spirit. I may have snapped at a kid at some point or another. I may not have talked to my wife as I should. I remember telling Hallie I just needed to go on a walk for a little bit. And that's what I like to do. When I, when I sense that my relationship with him is not where it needs to be, I go on a walk, and I'll walk for as long as I need to. People may think I'm crazy talking to myself as I walk by. And I'm not saying that to brag. Not saying, I'm not telling you this to tell you I'm more spiritual because I want to go find Jesus when I feel he's missing from my life. I just want you to know it's important. 
being with Jesus important to you? Now look at Mary and Joseph in that day's journey. That one day cost them three days without the, without the Messiah. I encourage you this morning, if you're without him, it's amazing how far away someone can get in just a day. One day of choosing not to walk with your Savior can cause a lot of problems. One day choosing not to do what you need to do as a Christian to be in fellowship with Jesus can bring a lot of heartache. Every day matters. This is the official first service as your pastor. I moved my family 18 hours from Indiana to Texas. The stakes are pretty high. The calling is real. There's people here in this church and people in this community that I know God has called me to reach. And I intend to not do it without Jesus. Are you? Are you? Every head bowed, every eye closed.